This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Bruins got an impressive 3-2 to victory over the Dallas Stars in Dallas the other night. Bridget and Scott, opening shifts? Well, I think it was a really interesting game for Mason Lorai, who we've obviously been pretty focused on as he wraps up his third NHL game. Um, he scores his first goal, which is obviously great. And it was a nice play. He jumps up into the offense, uh, takes a pass from Danton Heinen and snaps a good shot past Jake Gottinger. Then he also ends up getting benched in the third period and only plays one shift over the final, like 12 plus minutes. Uh, Got caught flat-footed on the rush. That ends up leading to the Stars' first goal of the game. And then was on the bench, was stable to the bench for a little bit after that, got one more shift, sort of got caught out of position on a rebound chance, led to another Dallas scoring chance, and then that was it for the night. So really interesting sort of highs and lows of, of a rookie with his first goal and first extended benching. Um, So I think it certainly becomes an interesting conversation just about where we think he is, how he's playing, and kind of what what this all means going forward for him. Yeah, definitely want to get back to that. I feel like the defense is still probably the biggest storyline, considering all of the absences that are still there. McAvoy out for one more game, um, and we'll – We'll get an update on Forbert, I assume, uh, Scott, but correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't seen anything that suggests he's playing Thursday. Uh, he's still day-to-day. They The Bruins didn't practice Tuesday, so we'll find out more on Wednesday when they practice. Okay, so we will keep posted on that. But my opening shift has to do with the fourth line because I think it had to have been their best game of the season. And it, the, right as of right now, it's – Danton Heinen with Johnny Beecher and Oscar Steen and Beecher also had his first career goal. So, um, and his was the opening goal of the game. It was really a, a pretty shot. It was funny. Cause he was like, I think that was the nicest goal I've ever scored. And <laughs> which is like, it was a good goal. So um, he was very happy with it. And he actually got over 13 minutes of playing time, which is pretty much the exact same amount that Matt Patra as the third line center got. And, that fourth line kept getting rewarded with ice time because they had a majority of their shifts. They spent most of the time in the offensive zone. They just looked very strong. They were working together. They were getting guys in front of the net. Dan Hyden had another good game. I thought Oscar Steen looked good and, and Beecher strong at the dot again and with a goal. So for me, every team uh, is going to have their deficiencies and things to work on, but 
10 one and one through the first 12 games of the season. The Bruins just continue to be an absolute juggernaut in the regular season over the last couple of calendar years. And early on in the season, it was easy to kind of point at Chicago twice and Anaheim and San Jose, although Anaheim is playing really well. They've won six or eight games of late. So maybe that win against Anaheim was more impressive than we thought. Um, but my point is the 10 wins the Bruins have had this year, a lot of them now, uh, more than half have been against really solid teams that you expect to be there at the end of the season. Um, and, you know, so, for, I mean, they've, they've gotten wins over uh, the, the Kings, uh, the Panthers, the Red Wings, who are off to a great start this year, obviously um, Toronto and Dallas last night, like they're getting, they're getting wins against quality teams. Um, so it's just, it's, it's really impressive. Again, it's, it's a, a lot of moving parts this year. And, and you look at some of the, problems other teams are having. I mean, you look at New Jersey, Carolina, Tampa, Toronto, all these teams in the East that everybody, including us, kind of expected to be the cream of the crop in the East. And it's like the Bruins are just light years ahead of them in the standings. They're second overall in the NHL in the standings, two points behind Vegas, uh, first in the East. So the the Bruins are just – are we taking them for granted a little bit? I mean, maybe. Uh, they just – they keep doing taking care of business. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because it's record-wise, it looks similar to last year, where it's just like 10-1-1, one, one, one of the best teams in the league, but it looks different. That they, they are not, and now especially against better teams, they're not dominating the way that they did last year. They're not just cruising to two, three, four goal wins. A lot of these games are close. They're going down to the wire in the third period. And I know, you know, they've blown a couple of them, Anaheim and Detroit, they're, they're two losses. But this is what it looks like for a lot of teams. Like, a lot of teams play close games. Someone ends up with an extra attacker situation. You know, the team with the lead is biting their fingernails. Like, it, we forget because it happened so infrequently last year, but this is usually what the NHL looks like. Um, and they're finding a way to win more of these games, obviously a lot more than they're losing, which is – uh, you know, encouraging and the sign of a good team that you find a way. And obviously he wasn't our opening shift, but he wasn't any of our opening shifts, but a big reason for it is their goaltending. And Jeremy Swayman was awesome once again, Monday night, and is now 6-0-0, leads the NHL in save percentage and goals against average. So that's a huge part of it. But, you know, Dallas made a strong push in that third period. And, um you know, kind of had the Bruins on their heels a little bit, spent a lot of time in the Boston zone, but they find a way to get the win and Swayman obviously stands tall. Yeah. I mean, especially in that last, I would say like eight or so minutes of the game, he saved them a few times. Um, he came up huge. He's jumped on rebounds. He, I mean, he's looked good the whole season. He seems extra confident. Not that he's ever not been confident, but he just seems to have taken a step forward even more. Um, and yeah, huge part of the record, same as last season has to do with the goaltending, especially enough that covers up the holes that you might have on defense. Cause Scott, your opening shifts about Mason, Laura, having kind of an up and down first three games of his NHL career. Um, and you, you can make up for some of the flaws in the defense and, you know, in the penalty kill, if you have a good goalie or two, <laughs> like the Bruins do.
Yeah, well, I mean, a team that doesn't have a good goalie or two, like the Bruins do, is Edmonton, right? They're another example of a team that, like, um, I mean, they they put Jack Campbell on waivers today. And Edmonton, for the longest time, we've always kind of said it's what like their their team is McDavid and Drysaddle, and McDavid hasn't had a great offensive start to the season. Like when when they look kind of human and their goaltending is what it is, like you have a team and Edmonton, like Edmonton's two eight and one. They're not a two eight and one roster, but a lack of goaltending can can do that to you. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have Boston, who's just like, yeah, just 10-1-1. One, one. Like, I mean, and it's it's crazy. You look at the standings, and, like, Tampa Bay is, like, 5-4 five, like five and four or 5-4-1, five, and, and Toronto, New Jersey. Like all these teams have, like, 14 to 17 points. Like, those are good starts. It's just not 10-1-1. One, one. Like, it's just that's what goaltending and defensive structure does for you, which is – you know, to, not to tip our own hats, but um, we kind of acknowledge that in the offseason. We're like, this team's going to be good still because they have goaltending and defense better than anybody else really in the league, the, the combination of those two. And um, and you're seeing it in full, like full, on full display right now. Yeah, I think some idiot on some Bruins podcast picked the Oilers to get to the Stanley Cup final. And I, I don't remember who that was, but... Um... <laughs> By the way, we, we're we have second some... to last in the league, and they're like minus eighteen on the season. But they're, oh, they're... it's awful. It's brutal. Yeah. They've lost. They've lost three times to Vancouver already. Which, by the way, where like where did this Canucks start come from? Like they, they've been awesome. We're talking. Yeah, I mean they they look like and it looks legit. Like it doesn't look fluky at all. That looks like a really good team. Well, goaltending, um, Scott. They have goaltending at Thatcher Demko. Like if they don't have goaltending for like. That could be a situation where we've seen that Canucks team flounder because the goaltending wasn't there, but they had talent. They always had Hughes and Pedersen and Besser, who had some personal issues um, recently, but and JT Miller. Like they've had talent, but when you don't have goaltending, it can drown you. And fortunately in Boston, we don't have that issue. Yeah, but we will be circling back later in the podcast to the uh... – the whole Bruins Oilers blockbuster trade discussion because that that got a lot of reactions. So uh, we well, will touch on some. Of that. A lot of people responded to our our tweet and to our podcast, like in the comments and everything. So yeah, we're gonna get back to that. Um, but we should stick to to um, the game against Dallas. Just thoughts on maybe some other players that you you thought had good games. I have I have a few thoughts on that third line. Um, with Patra, Frederick, and Geeky. Um, I don't know where you guys want to start there. Well, Bridget, I'll, I'll build off your opening shift. The, you know, like the, the fourth line, that was their best game of the season. Uh, before Monday night, no member of the fourth line, not just the three who played last night, but anyone who's played on the fourth line this season had scored a goal yet. Uh, a couple of them had been on the ice for goals and had helped set some up. But none of them had actually scored one. So Beecher's was the first. Um, and, you know, just a really nice play by him taking taking the space that was there. And then they set up Lorai's goal as well. That That's the line that's out there. Steen's in on the forecheck. Heinen makes the pass out to Lorai. Um, and they they were in the offensive zone. They were the, the Bruins' best line in that game, like, without question. And – what makes that even more encouraging is that we on the last podcast we did, we talked about needing to bounce back from the loss in Detroit and it would be, it was going to be a tough challenge. Dallas is a really good team. Well, that bounce back for that bounce back to be led, 
you know, in large part by your fourth line, by players like Johnny Beecher and Oscar Steen and Danton Heinen, who like just signed, like that's really encouraging. It's sometimes you wonder, you know, especially with this team with all the turnover, all the new faces, you wonder like, are they going to be too reliant just on their star players for stuff like that, for bounce backs, for the big games when they need it. And the Bruins weren't on Monday night. Like they got it from other guys up and down the lineup. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to get more into Lori, but like him scoring the goal too. Like that's, that's huge. Even though, you know, he ends up not finishing the game as strong as he started, but like for that bounce back effort to be led by guys lower in the lineup, less experienced is something I think the Bruins can build off. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of gives you shades of the 2017, 2018 season when, you know, you had at the time a young Danton Heinen, Charlie McAvoy, Jake DeBrusque, Andrews Bjork, Bridget's favorite, um, that at the time, like they were all kind of doing their thing and it was, it was a good influx of youth, but now it's kind of like you're seeing, I mean, Mason Lori and Matt Patra and Johnny Beecher. Let's just stick with those three guys. Like if those guys are developing into like legit NHLers for you this year, that's that's an amazing development for the Bruins. Obviously, you hope for that, right? When you draft Johnny Beecher in the first round, Mason Lorai, uh, and Potch, like you hope for these things. But as we've seen, like it, draft picks are a gamble. You never know for sure. And they 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 desperately needed uh, some young kids to to step up. And to their credit, they've been given opportunities. It hasn't been perfect at all times. And yeah, we'll we'll talk about Lorai for sure. Um, but sticking to Bridget's opening shift, like, yeah, like Johnny Beecher just looks like he reminds me of somebody who, when he gets comfortable in his own skin, uh, which he is, I think, but like more, more reps in the NHL. And I just, I see a more eventually, I think I see a more polished offensively polished uh, Sean Corrali type player, big body can skate well. But I think, I think when he gets to his, NHL peak, I think he'll provide more offense than a Sean Corrali, but that's great. That's a great guy to have in your bottom six. Obviously, Patra we know about and Lorai. So um, to have three guys step in, three rookies step in this year is really impressive for any team, let alone Boston, but it's a great development. Yep, and uh, he actually has the best or the highest of of the four centers. He has the highest faceoff percentage. I know he's not getting the same kind of matchups as Charlie Coyle is at the dot and, and um, Zaka, but he's done what he needs to do in terms of winning faceoffs. Um, and he has spent time on penalty kill. He has gotten his minutes uh, five on five and shorthanded, and he's looked good. He's looked comfortable. Um, he doesn't look like a liability. And I would say the same thing about the other two players that have been on the fourth line with Steen and Heinen. I, I don't think that they look like they're um, – a line that you want to take off the ice as quick as you possibly can. They've, they've actually shown that they can bring a lot of energy. Um, they're young, they're fast. Uh, and Heinen, this was Heinen's fourth game. And I think he's looked more and more um, up to speed as time's gone on. So the first game that he played, he maybe was a little bit rusty though. He did have some moments where he contributed and um, you see him. He also was part of the play that got Laura, his first ever point. And then he's uh, part of the play for his first goal as well. So. He's, he can be an important player. I do see him, Danton Heinen, fitting into the lineup kind of wherever you might need him. So um, when Lucci comes back, what happens to Danton Heinen, what happens to Oscar Steen, we don't know. But I think that Heinen has made a really good case for himself. 
Yeah, cer- certainly see Heinen sticking around. We we touched on last pod. Even even if he's not a regular in the lineup, he's such a good Swiss Army knife to have as your thirteenth forward. Um, you know, we also touched on Steen, who now is five games into the ten he can play before he would have to go through waivers again. Um, which you know, Bridge, I think you said like. Unfortunately, I think it means he's probably going to get sent down before those 10 games, even if the Bruins aren't completely healthy up front yet. But, you know, the the overarching theme here is, like, they clearly have good depth, you know, which I think we knew, right? Like, all the discussions we had about four was whether they had enough top six talent or whether the, you know, Zach and Coyle could handle more as centers. and. Of course, you know, Patra completely changed that conversation, but we knew that they were deep, and and you see that now where it's like Heinen and Steen sort of got their chances to start playing regularly only because Lucic and Loco are out, and and they've played well, and they've, I think, been making, you know, pretty much the most of, of the ice time they've gotten in these games that they've played. But like Lucic and Lauka were both playing pretty well before they got hurt too. So, you know, and then you'd still have, you know, we saw, I think one game of Jesper Boquist and, you know, didn't go great, but like he's played in the NHL. He's, you know, he's certainly a guy you can plug in. Mark McLaughlin's still down in Providence. Like, you know, Patrick Brown, I know all of Bruins Twitter hates him, thinks he's the worst hockey player ever, but like, He's another good depth piece. He can play wing or center. He wins draws. He can kill penalties, like handle heavy defensive zone starts. 